welcome to episode 443 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm talking about Monster Kid Radio and you're talking with me, Derek M. Cook, the writer, producer, and host of the show. I want to welcome you to the show on this Halloween 2019. Happy Halloween to everybody who celebrates. And if you don't celebrate, you're probably not listening to a podcast about monster movies. So uh, I don't know who I'm talking to. Anyway, welcome to the show. Now this week we've got... Well, something a little different than what we originally planned. Now, if you go back and you look at the YouTube video that I posted at the beginning of this month announcing what the episodes were going to be this month, I put in there, I made sure to put in there, card subject to change. And that's a bit of terminology that I picked up from like boxing and wrestling where you can announce certain things, but you know, if other things happen, things don't really work out the way you want them to. Well, you've got to be flexible. And unfortunately, we had to be flexible this time around. Now, if you go back and watch that video, you'll see that I announced that the episode this week was supposed to be a recording of the Monster Kid Radio Live episode that was recorded at the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in CthulhuCon with myself, Chris McMillan, Dominic Lamsey's, Victoria Price, and Roger Corman. I do have the audio, but it's not in the best of shape. So I'm going to say again to everybody out there listening, if you were at the Lovecraft Film Festival and you happen to record any part of that live podcast, whether it was video or audio, please reach out to me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com. I'd love to get my hands on that audio because right now I'm trying to reconstruct everything. There was an issue with the audio equipment in the EOD building, the Esoteric Order of Dagon building. And I wasn't able to plug my recorder into their sound system, which meant that uh, didn't really get the best recording. I'm not giving up on it. It's just going to take a lot more time to work and finesse to make that audio presentable to you here on Monster Kid Radio. But I'm not going to leave you hanging, especially on Halloween. So first of all, what we've got this week is something that was sent in by listener Jeff Beal, who, yes, Jeff, I'm going to take you up on your uh, offer. I will have you on the show in the near future. Let's make it happen. Jeff was at a recent screening of the giant Gila monster in 3d hosted by Lord blood raw. So you're going to hear that. Plus of course, professor friends, he's got a bedtime story. Dr. Tongue's taking us to the world of monster collectibles and Kenny's got a look at famous monsters of Filmland. but that's not enough. I mean, I need to give you a full episode, right? So I did take my recorder with me last weekend to the Scarathon here at the joy cinema. And I recorded all of my introductions to all the movies, I was hosting the show there, and there were five films that were being shown. And then I recorded a little bit, too, with some friends of the show. If you've read the show notes, you know who they are. Otherwise, you're just going to have to listen to see who I'm talking about. So the structure of those recordings, this is the back half of the show, is you're going to hear the introduction, the trailer to the movie that was being introduced, the introduction to the next movie, and the trailer, and so on. Uh, there will be one recording with somebody who had just seen a Hammer film for the very first time, in the middle of that and then at the end there's a check-in kind of wrapping up conversation as well that audio is fairly raw i didn't want to edit it very much because i wanted to give you the monster kid radio listeners a taste of what it's like to actually be at scarathon so you're going to hear all the uh, ums and uhs and everything else that you would normally hear in normal conversation with me whenever you see me at a movie theater talking about these uh you know these monster movies um yeah Anyway, that's at the back half of the show. We've got all that stuff that I talked about at the beginning of the show, which you're going to hear here in a second after I tell you. The music that you're hearing right now is from Black Flamingos, a surf band out of Asbury Park, 
New Jersey earlier this month. They sent me a demo of their cover of the theme song from the TV show Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's currently available as a single over at blackflamingos.bandcamp.com. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes. You can also just go straight to their website at blackflamingosnj.com and check them out. You're going to hear this song again in its entirety at the end of the show, which you'll get right after all of this. Hi, Derek and Monster Kids everywhere. This is listener Jeff Beal. I just got home from the Landmark Cinemas in Peoria, Illinois not too far from where I live. And I had the distinct pleasure of attending a screening of the giant Gila monster, or Gila monster, depending on your pronunciation or your guest preference. Uh, This film was hosted by the one and only Lord Bloodrot, who has been on Monster Kid Radio, I know. He is broadcast here in the Peoria area of Illinois and also Fort Wayne, Indiana, even though he lives and resides in California. And he's been coming and doing events here for the last couple of years. I always try to get out and see him when I get the chance. When I bought the tickets for this show, I either hadn't realized or maybe read past the fact that the giant Gila monster was going to be screened in 3D. When I arrived and got my pair of 3D glasses with a skull on them, courtesy of Lord Bloodrot himself. I was very surprised, and when Lord Bloodrot took the stage, he announced that this was actually the first time that the giant Gila monster would be screened in 3D. Lots of monster kids were there. A lot of people were having a great time, and the the theater was almost sold out, to be truthful. I got a chance to speak to Lord Bloodrot just after the first intermission, Lord Bladera, we have a, a pretty full house tonight. Yeah, uh, I'm blown away by that. I honestly am. I was not expecting this this amount of people to come out. It's always been, attendance has always been pretty good, but this is off the scale. It really is. You, do you think that's just uh, because of the popularity of the giant Gila monster? I, 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 th- <laughs> I, I honestly think that the audience is growing. I think it's through word of mouth. I, I did a convention today uh, in Peoria called QuadCon, and had a lot of people come up to me and say, yeah, you know, I, uh, I started watching your show, now I've got my parents watching your show, I've got my brother watching your show, you know, so it's, it's kind of a, a growing word of mouth thing, it seems like. Now, when you started this back in 2009, oh. was that ever any expectation that no. it was going to No, that sort if, of reach? if you'd have told me in 2007 this was going to happen, I'd have said, you're crazy. No, I, I never thought, you know, I, I thought at most, when I started this, I would be hosting live small live events maybe around the bay area but it's just taken off like i like i could not believe if i can switch to our feature here you mentioned that uh this is the first time that the giant gila monster has been screened in 3d yes where did you obtain that print or or what uh, what came about that made this possible it's just it's a print that i got a regular print that i got off of archive.org where i get a lot of my public domain stuff and I have a, a program, it's a video converter, and one of the, I was digging through it, just looked, seeing what kind of toys it's got. One of them is convert to red, blue 3D. And I was like, oh, this opens up you know, a whole other avenue. So I started playing with films, and uh, the two that I kind of landed on was this one and the Killer Shrews. 
Ooh. And actually, this Same one director. works much better. Same director. Yeah. But this one works much better. Uh, it gives itself to 3D a little bit, a little bit better. And and looking at it, you would never think that. Not that I doubt your ability to do that sort of restoration, but it looks fantastic. I I'm amazed at how how well it looks. Yeah, yeah. It it really. Uh, there's something about the way he filmed the movie. There's a depth of field to it that lends itself to 3D. Uh, what do you have to do to prepare for a live event like this besides get dressed up and uh, steal your, yourself? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I have some idea of what I'm going to say to the audience before I go up there, but I never know until it comes out of my mouth, really. You know, I mean, for something like this, especially for a crowd this big, you're just feeding off of what they're... The energy that that, uh, that they're giving you, you know. And when I looked at, I said, "Wow, look at the crowd!" That was absolutely. I was amazed at the number of people here. Yeah. What do you have coming up on the horizon? Live events? Any any new tapings? Anything? Oh like that? well, uh, after this, I fly back fly back to California. This coming uh, Friday, which is uh, what what is that? October. Something. Uh, 25th, 20th. I think, isn't it? 25th, 26th, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm hosting a midnight showing of Beetlejuice at the Chabot Theater in Castro Valley, California. Then Halloween night, I'm hosting a haunted theater presentation at the California Academy of Sciences in Golden Gate Park, of all places. Wow. It's going to be, they're doing a whole Halloween event. And uh, as part of it, they're going to do this haunted theater presentation. They're going to show a like a 20-minute reel of um, Halloween uh, horror movie clips and have haunt actors interact with it, and I'm going to host the entire thing. And I think that's going to be happening four times throughout the night. They're going to run it four, four separate times. That's going to be fun. Boris Karloff always said, Halloween is my busy season. It, so yeah, it's, it's become mine too. Yeah, awesome. yeah. Awesome. And then what I'm really excited about is October, I'm sorry, November uh, 17th, 16th and 17th, I'm hosting the Go Ape Marathon. I saw this on your website. It looks oh, fantastic. I can't wait. It's at the Balboa Theater in San Francisco. All five original Planet of All the Apes. All five original films. Planet of the Apes films on Saturday, and then on Sunday, the, th the trilogy, the new trilogy films. Gosh, if yeah. only I had a couple tanks worth of gas and a lot of time to kill, <laughs> I would be there. You know I would. It's well, going to be fun. Lord Bloodbreath, thanks so much for coming out and making these trips. You already said you're coming. You're slated to come back next year. I'm slated so. to come back, yeah, next year. Apparently uh, the Halloween QuadCon is going to be October 17th, and I plan to be here and do a live show. And well, Yeah, I will we'll be, be here in turn. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you, everybody, out in uh, Monster Kid Land. This is Lord Bloodraw saying, geek out. Ha-ha! <laughs>
or a Patreon link. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again. And remember, the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you a story from EC Horror Comics. Today's story is Voodoo Vengeance. It's from the Vault of Horror, number 14, the August-September issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Johnny Craig. So sit back and relax while I tell this delightful tale. Caleb Standish was a wealthy but genial businessman who decided to come home early from work one day. Walking to his car, he saw an antique shop that he never noticed before. He decided to go inside to get a gift for his young wife, Sally. The proprietor of the shop was a skeletal old man who asked him what he was looking for. He presented him with a doll and asked if this would do. Caleb said no, he was looking for something fancier. Did he have anything else to show him? The proprietor said he could have special dolls made, voodoo dolls. If he ever wanted to inflict pain on someone, he could purchase a voodoo doll in their likeness and they would feel any pain inflicted on the doll. Caleb was aghast and got out of the shop as quickly as he could. When he got home early, he found his young wife Sally in the arms of another younger man. Caleb overheard them saying that when he died, she would inherit all his money. They just needed to be patient. Caleb snuck out of the house, terribly upset at this betrayal. He went to the antique shop and he told the proprietor that he did want a voodoo doll of his cheating wife. He gave the man photos of his love and at midnight they performed a ceremony and the wizened old man presented Caleb with the doll. When he got home with the doll, his wife thought it was a present for her. Caleb said it was, but it's very delicate and they should put it aside for safekeeping. Suddenly the phone rang and Sally went to the other room to answer it. Caleb overheard her making plans to meet her lover. Enraged, he poked at the voodoo doll's arm with a needle. Sally screamed from the kitchen. She had stabbed herself with a knife in the arm. They went to the hospital to attend her wounds. Some days later, Sally was going out to meet her beau. Caleb knew about the tryst, and as she walked out the door, he got the voodoo doll and in a fit of anger, smashed it against a dresser. He heard a scream from outside. Sally had fallen down the stairs and broke her leg. After some weeks convalescing, Sally was on the mend. Caleb overheard her making plans to meet her lover again. He confronted her, begged her not to meet him. Please love me like you used to. She said she never loved him. She was only with him for his money. She hated him, and to prove it, she took the doll from the cabinet it was in and threw it into the fire, where it broke into pieces and began to melt. Caleb looked upon his wife in horror. Sally, he cried out. But it was no use. The end. I hope you enjoyed that searing thriller. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back on the EC morality train again this week. 
Throughout the story, Caleb declared his love for Sally and only hurt the doll in fits of weakness. He did give her a chance to come clean and recommit herself to him, but she refused. And in the pantheon of EC horror sinfulness, he was pretty much exonerated by giving her another chance. Though to be fair, he is the cause of her misfortune. Sally, though, is the real culprit. She's cheating on her husband and only pretending to love him for his money. So it's only fair, EC-wise, that she's the one that bears the brunt of the harm. Johnny Craig's art looks great. Caleb is a genial older man, roundish and well-fed with a full old man mustache and rectangular granny glasses. The antique shop owner is creepy. He's very thin and bald with just a pair of sinus holes where his nose should be. Sally, though, looks very generic. A statuesque blonde beauty, she doesn't have a lot of character or personality, though. And we don't get to see what happens to Sally at the end, but that's probably a good thing. All in all, this is everything I want to read in an EC horror story. It's amazing how much plot and characterization they were able to fit into just seven pages. If you're interested in a copy of The Vault of Horror Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics, and Bat Books for Beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter, at Professor Frenzy, and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find The Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned, thanks for listening, and happy Halloween. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Vampires. Werewolves. Zombies. Yes, these things are real. But fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural ghoulish and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. presents Dr. Tong's World of Monster Collectibles, spanning the globe looking for monster goo so you don't have to. Dateline, the internet. Hey there, and to borrow a line from the Crypt Keeper, hey boys and ghouls, I'm back. I'm rested up, ready to lay out a whole bunch of monstery goodness on this all hallowed of days for monster kids everywhere. October 31st, All Hallows' Eve. I really hope Derek gets this episode out on the 31st, or I'm going to look really stupid. Or at least more so than I normally do. We got a lot of ground to cover, so let's jump right into it, shall we? First up, the fine folks over at Fright Rags have announced a new licensed line of Universal Monster t-shirts and accessories that debuted last Friday, October 25th, with another wave of goodies to be released very soon. The initial set of styles look great, featuring Drac, Frank, and the Creature. 
The line has t-shirts, hoodies, socks, and a set of pewter-looking enamel head pins. Looking over the goods that have been released so far, they seem to be selling really well as some styles have already sold out, but knowing Fright Rags, they will restock soon. Looking over the rest of their catalog, they have released a series of Joe Bob Briggs shirts and hoodies for the new Shutter series, The Last Drive-In, as well as a new line of shirts memorializing three old-school magazines from back in the day, Fangoria, Starlog, and Gorezone. Head on over to FrightRags.com for more details. That's Fright-Rags.com. And speaking of monster t-shirts, if you have a mall near you, hop on over to your local Hot Topic, or check them out online if you don't want to leave the house. Their website, of course, is HotTopic.com. They are stocking an incredible amount of Universal Monster t-shirts in styles I have never seen before. And for you ladies in the audience that say they don't make any cool t-shirts for women, Hot Topic has you covered. And a tip of the Dr. Tongue top hat, and yes, I do own one, goes to loyal listener Tura63 for the heads up on this information. And Mondo has kept the spooky alive with their 31 Days of Halloween event, releasing several Monster Kid drool-worthy items over the course of this last month. Already sold out was the new Creature from the Black Lagoon poster by Jason Edmondson. Rumor has it it's sold out in under a minute off of the site. Still available is a new Dracula poster by Sarah Deck, as well as a set of enamel pins of the Bride, Frank, and Creature. And just announced a very cool Black Sunday poster by Randy Ortiz. Now mind you, Mondo does deal in pre-order items, meaning you have to order them, pay for them, and wait for them to be produced and shipped to you. Take a look around Mondo's site, they have some pretty cool stuff. I will make sure I get the right web address this time. It is mondotees.com. That's mondotees.com. It has been an exciting time for Monster Kids on the publishing front this month, and, well, the first few days of November as well, as two giants of the practical monster movie effects release their respective books onto the public. First up, from J.W. Rinsler, comes Rick Baker, Metamorphosis. This massive two-volume set encompasses Baker's entire career, from his humble beginnings reading famous monsters of Filmland magazine, Hi, Kenny! to his enormously successful movie career that netted him seven Academy Awards, with his first one, American Werewolf in London, in 1982. This set is packed with pictures, but it is super expensive. Personally, it's worth the dough. Also new to the Monster Bookshelf, well, it is set to be released in a few days after you hear this, is Savini, The Biography. I haven't seen the book proper, but it looks to be a good one. Written by Savini with help from Michael Aloisi, this tome encompasses Savini's early life into his stint as a combat photographer during the Vietnam War up to his rise as master zombie monster maker for such classic films as the original Friday the 13th, Romero's Dawn and Day of the Dead, Creepshow 1 and 2, as well as many more. I'm super excited to have both of these books added to my film library very soon, as I have been a major fan of both of these men from a very early age. Artist Spotlight! You know I like my art dark and monstery. This next young man's work fits that bill and then some. Dave Quiggle, out of Southern California, has a line art style that most would kill for, running the gamut from commercial art to tattoo work, my wife actually discovered his art when she came across a poster of Angela Lansbury as Jessica Fletcher from Murder, She Wrote, covered in tattoos relating to the TV show series. Mr. Quiggle has several of these prints available, ranging from the macabre, Edward Scissorhands and Jaws, to the comedic, Moe from The Simpsons and Jason Alexander's character George Costanza from Seinfeld. 
He is also the art director for a small indie record label, Face Down Records. Give the big cartel shop a look. I think you will be pleasantly surprised. His address is davequiggle.bigcartel.com. That's Dave, D-A-V-E, Quiggle, Q-U-I-G-G-L-E. Vintage Monster Toys. Think back when you were a very little kid. Did you ever have a paint-by-numbers kit? I did, but not anything cool. If I can remember right, it was of a staghorn deer in a wilderness setting. <laughs> Big deal. It came with a bunch of bland earth tone paint, a crappy paintbrush, and a printed canvas with millions of different sections that needed to be painted so it resembled the professional-looking piece that accompanied the packaged art. I actually do not remember seeing any cool paint-by-numbers sets growing up. Boats and lion's houses, lots of horses, rabbits, etc. But definitely not any monsters. Apparently, all the cool sets were released in the early 60s. In 1963, Hasbro released a set of six different Universal Monster paint-by-number sets onto the public. This made perfect sense, as the country was in the throes of Monster Mania, and Hasbro needed a way to capitalize on the public frenzy. But I'm not sure if paint-by-numbers was the answer, but hey, toss it against the wall and see what sticks. Am I right? These sets were pretty darn cool. The canvas printed pictures measured a hefty 12 by 16 inches and featured over 14 different monstrous colors in oil paint. Like most paint-by-number sets, there was a ton of spaces to fill in so you could get your monster to look just like the picture on the front of the box. Honestly, I've seen some pretty bad renderings over the years. Released in the set were all the heavy hitters. Dracula, Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Mummy, and Phantom of the Opera. And just like my last segment on the ideal Universal Monster games, Hasbro also looked to have copped the poses of the Mummy, Phantom, and Creature from the super popular Aurora Monster model kit boxes. Now skip ahead about 12 years, into the mid-70s. And being an actual kid during this time, I do not remember seeing these. But another company released a set of four officially licensed Universal Monster paint-by-numbers kits onto the market. Craft House, an actual craft company known for their paint sets, gave us Frankenstein's Monster, the Phantom of the Opera, the Mummy, and the Wolfman. These renderings are not very actor-specific, with Frankie looking very generic in his flat top, the Mummy looking more like a desiccated Egyptian corpse rising from a tomb, with the Wolfman and Phantom looking a little more like the actual movie characters. On the collector's market, you can expect to pay a pretty premium for any of these kits unused in the box. More so for the Hasbro sets, but the Craft House ones are a tad on the expensive side as well. But you can save yourself a few bucks by trying to buy a finished painted portrait, but you're still going to expect to open up your pocket a tad. And don't even get me started on the going price for a super rare Hasbro Horror House paint-by-number set. That's a whole nother kettle of fish to fry. Got any sneak peeks of monster merchandise coming out soon? Or feedback on the DTWOMC segments? Drop Derek a line and he'll forward it along to me here at MKR. And if you're interested, you can see what's going on in my toy shop over on Instagram at Dr. Tongue's Toys, as well as on Facebook under Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop. Or on my private Instagram account, MonsterMan64, to see some of the cool stuff I pick up for my own monster collection. This is Mark Dr. Tongue Peterson saying, Have a happy Halloween and happy monster collecting, everybody. I'm out! Peace!
there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we will continue our issue-by-issue look at films covered with FM number 9 from September of 1960. Two films were covered. The first, a preview of what is now a classic, Roger Corman's House of Usher. The article begins with this introduction. Thrice has Usher fallen. First in France, silently in 1928. Later, twice in America. The last time from the camera of Curtis Harrington. Now, Richard Matheson has collaborated with the long-dead Edgar Allan Poe to again bring to the screen this great classic. Roderick Usher, as seen through the eyes of his creator Poe, was a wan being with a cadaverous of complexion. An eye large, liquid, and luminous. Beyond comparison, skin of ghastly pallor, silken hair of wild gossamer texture that floated rather than fell about his face. As brought to life and later death on the screen by Vincent Price, Roderick Usher is a mystic who is at the mercy of his own acutely tuned senses. Scripter Matheson tells us, his lustrous eyes are tormented by all that the most faint of lights, odors assail him constantly. Sounds of any exaggerated degree inspire him with horror. His hearing is super keen. This, then, is the strange, unfortunate man in his middle 40s known as Roderick Usher, who sees too much, hears too much, knows too much, and is being driven out of his mind. The article continues with a synopsis of three-fourths of the film, for a total of six pages and eight photos. It concludes with these comments. We know Madeline has awakened from a cataleptic state, but Rinthrop doesn't. Can she possibly be rescued? One-fourth of the film yet remains to be unreeled. But the president of American International Pictures, with whom your editor went to high school, has telephoned me at press time making a personal appeal not to reveal any more than I already have about the hair-raising dream sequence where the dead ushers, oops, I promise not to tell. Just one word of advice. When you go to see this film, if you dare, better sit next to the aisle in case you feel faint and need to call an usher? The next film covered is the silent masterpiece Phantom of the Opera with Lon Chaney. It is a 12-page film book with 11 photos. It begins with this quote from the original Gaston Leroux novel. The Phantom of the Paris Opera really existed. This ghost was not, as was long believed, a creature of the imagination of the artist, the superstition of the managers, or a product of the brains of the ballet dancers, or the box keepers, or anybody else connected with the opera. Yes, he existed in flesh and blood, although he assumed the complete appearance of a real phantom, that is to say, of a spectral shade. The rest is a detailed synopsis of the film from beginning to end. Let's look at how the famous unmasking scene was described. Alone in the private world of Eric, Christine is shown the coffin in which he sleeps. Reminds me of that other dreamless sleep that curses all ills forever, he tells her. Speaking of death, he plays at the organ for her. His music is so beautiful that Christine cannot resist the temptation of seeing the face that she imagines must be so handsome. And so she slips up behind Eric and flips off his mask. And Christine gazes on the naked face of horror. Horror, horror, horror in her own words. The article combines descriptions of the action with further excerpts from the French novel. It ends with a promise of coverage of the 1940s Phantom Next Issue. The Phantom of the Opera was given the Royal MKR treatment in episodes 143 and 144, 
with guest from Comic Book Central, Joe Stuber. It was the 42nd film featured. House of Usher, mm, let's see, nope. This and many other films from Corman's Poe series are still waiting in the wings asking, what you waiting for, Derek? That is all for this week's look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We will have more next week. For MKR, this is Kenny saying adios. Only once did I risk the most distant glimpse of the grim and foreboding House of Usher. The mere sight of that awesome structure, huge and menacing, struck me chill with fear. It lay like a malignant sore that festered in the middle of the wasteland. Overhead, the clouds hung low, and a ghastly vapor rose from the ground. It seemed as if the roots of the house touched the very coals of hell. This was the House of Usher. The history of the Ushers is a history of savage degradations. And always in this house, the house itself is evil now. Edgar Allan Poe's spine-tingling The House of Usher with Vincent Price in chilling color and cinemascope. Poe's timeless The House of Usher. Do we have any fans here today of classic horror films? Do we have any fans of that? Do we have any fans of Bela Lugosi? Do we have any fans of classic science fiction? Do we have anyone here who's ever been on a date in their whole life? Well, meet somebody today and ask them out and it'll all be corrected and fixed. My name is Jeff Punkrock Martin. It's a pleasure to welcome you to the Scarathon at the Joy Cinema. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. I have to read from notes because I don't remember all this stuff. You know, when we do that, like the scare, somebody's calling me. Who is this? My kid is calling me. You guys are more important than my kid right now. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I would never say that to him. Anyway. It takes a lot, of, a lot of effort, a lot of thought goes into choosing the movies for the Scarathon. I don't know what to get, what not to get. There are a lot, so many classic horror movies I love, I can't get them all. I wanted to get Nosferatu. I know, Nosferatu. But so many people, I thought, who's, who's even seen Nosferatu 1? <laughs> a lot of people haven't even seen the first Nosferatu movie. That was a joke. Let's look for more. Oh. You know what? We stand up, I stand up here, I like to joke around, I like to have a good time with the games. But two things I never ever want to do, two things. I don't ever want to name drop. You know, it's like if you've met somebody famous, you know somebody, I just think it's sort of tacky to name drop. Also, even though we're just joking around, I don't want to lie. Okay? So I don't name drop and don't lie. Okay? Okay. Anyway, that said, I was hanging out the other day with my really, really good friend, Count Chocula. <laughs> that was a joke too. My jokes are like a long, long, long drive where you end up at a vegan restaurant. I know. I said I don't like to name drop, but I will right now. I met a celebrity the other day. I said to him, hi, celebrity. My name is Jeff Punkrock Martin. He said, hi, Jeff. I'm Cedric the Entertainer. I said, could you be more specific? Yet another joke. Ah. We are finished with the jokes, and it's time to get on with the scare thought. Can I at least hear some of the details?
Thank you so much. Thank you. Today we have in our presence, first off, let's name off the movies. First off, we're going to see Abbott and Castello and Frank's Let's hear it. And then, if you're brave, you're going to sit through Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, which is great. Let's hear it. And then, if you've been brave, you're going to sit through Brides of Dracula. Let's hear it for that one. And then, if you have no bravery and no sense at all, you're going to sit through Planet 9 from Outer Space. And we're going to show it in 3D. And then, for our final show of the night, you're going to scare your way through, scream your way through Fright Night. Let's hear it for Fright Night. Before any of that, we have a young man here who is the host of Monster Kid Radio. Let's hear it for Monster Kid Radio. The greatest podcast in the world. He knows more about monsters than I will ever know. He knows more about monsters and monster movies than most of us will ever, will ever learn. He, he's forgotten more than we'll ever know. That's what I wanted to say. He's one of the best. He's a great guy. He's going to introduce the movie today. And he is. Give it a big round of applause for Geek Brother number one, Mr. Derek M. Cook. Here he is. <laughs> Have fun, he says. With an introduction like that, man, I hope I can live up to it. How's it going, everybody? So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm the guy from Monster Kid Radio. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, Monster Kid Radio, it's a weekly podcast that I produce just down the street in Beaverton. Every week we put out a new episode celebrating the classic or sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I have a blast doing it. We've been going for, I just put out episode 442 this past week. So we've been going for a while. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Uh, it's just so much fun. And actually, what we're doing here today, I'm going to be recording a lot of the interactions that I have with people, the introductions of the movies. This is actually going to make the next week's episode. So if you want to be on a podcast, this is your chance. Come up to me. I've got stuff set up out in the lobby. I also have a business card out there with my website address and all that, monsterkidradio.net. You can just find me all over the internet or whatever. Uh, between movies, not only am I doing my thing at my table, but Dominique Lamsey's from the House of Silent Graves is out there as well. If you have any kiddos who want to make some pipe cleaner spiders, she'll hook you up. So just between movies, look for her. She'll be up there with the spiders. She's, she's hard to miss. She's awesome. So uh, the movie we're seeing today, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. How many people here have not seen this before? Oh my, seriously, this is a first time watch for you guys. Oh boy, okay, so those of you who have not seen it, are you going to stick around for the next film as well, Frankenstein's Meets the Wolfman? Yes? Okay. I love these two movies. I love the order he's showing them in. However, theatrically, they did not come out that way. Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman came out years before Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. So you're going to be kind of... I don't know, spoiling, I, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but you're kind of getting ahead. Just remember that when we get to the second film. This is the last time the Universal Monsters all did their thing together on the big screen. This happened in 1948. The monster cycle, pretty much everybody agrees it started in 1931 with the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein. And Universal, they went through a couple of regime changes over the years, but they always came back to their monsters when they needed to make a buck because they were super profitable for the studio. So what, 48, 31, that's at least, what, 15 years later? 15, math is hard. I'm a monster kid, not a math kid. Um, they finally brought Bela Lugosi back. Now, Bela Lugosi, he was in the very first film on the monster cycle, in Dracula. Did I hear somebody start to applaud for Bela? Yeah. Well, I know he did it earlier, but, you know, Bela's the man. We've got Bela appearing in two movies during the Scarathon. That's a great, he's one of my favorite actors. And he's one of the best Dracula's hands down. They finally brought him back. Now, there had been other people playing Dracula along the way in the Universal Cycle, but 
I mean, Bela started it. He, he, he set the mold. He was the mold. Now, you also have the Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney Jr. Boy, this is a role that Lon Chaney Jr. was born to play. Unlike some of the other monsters, he's the only guy who played the Wolfman for Universal. And I think that I wouldn't want it any other way. There's just no way anybody else could fill the shoes of not just the Wolfman, but the human side of the Wolfman, Larry Talbot. Lon Chaney Jr. is... Larry Talbot. Of course, he's the son of Lon Chaney Sr., who was in a handful of silent horror films, things you might have heard of, like The Phantom of the Opera or Hunchback of Notre Dame, which sometimes get lumped into the universal monster cycle, but eh, I don't know. I, I still feel it starts with Dracula. Uh, we have Frankenstein's monster in this. Now, he is not played by Boris Karloff, who is the man who made the character famous in the first three Frankenstein films. Instead, he's played by Glenn Strange, who had played the character a couple of times before. Glenn Strange was primarily known as a, like a cowboy actor, uh, but he also filled monster, the monster boots just fine and did his thing in this film as well. Uh, it's a role that he was very comfortable with because at this point he had played it a couple of times. Like I said, the first time he played it was in a movie called House of Frankenstein. Now, Karloff was actually in that film, but he was a different character and kind of gave Glenn Strange some pointers along the way. There's another monster that turns up in this, but I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to spoil the ending of the film. So if you know what I'm talking about, don't spoil it for anybody else, okay? So when this movie went into production, it did have another name. It was called The Brain of Frankenstein when they were starting to get things up and running. But the studios were like, well, you know, it's an Abbott and Costello movie. We want to make sure people know it's going to be a comedy as well as a horror movie. So they did change the name. And Karloff wanted nothing to do with the production of the film, but he did go around and help promote it. So he at least was involved in that regard. Now, I, I have some trivia questions here. We have some prizes, some from the Monster Kid Radio Vaults, and then some from Chris, who makes those really cool buttons for Scarathon. She's donated some here. I've got two sets of buttons here. I'm gonna, we're going to start with this. Now, the way we're going to do the trivia, please don't just shout out the answer. Okay, let's make it fair for everybody. Uh, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, and I'm going to do my best to see who threw their hand up first. If I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. But don't try to fool me, because I'm watching. <laughs> All right, so I mentioned Lon Chaney Jr. playing the Wolfman. Now, that's not the only monster he played for Universal. What's another monster he played for Universal? And I think you were first, sir. Dracula. That's right. What film? That's right. Lon Chaney Jr. did play Son of Dracula. He was the second person to play Dracula for Universal. Here is your exclusive Scarathon pin. We have another Scarathon pin, a set of two. This is not the only time Abbott and Costello met the monsters. They actually, based on the success of this film, they did some more. Can somebody tell me another monster they met? And you, sir, I think we're first. That's right. Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. They met not the same mummy that you saw in the Karloff film or the Cheney films. Instead, they met a mummy called Claris as opposed to Karis. I don't know why they did the name change, but it is what it is, man. There you go. I have another prize I'm going to give out. Like I said, this is from the Monster Kid Radio Vault, stuff that I had sitting around, just looking for a new home. This is a 10-pack of movies. This is called Sons of Kong. There are 10 public domain gorilla movies in this set. And when you open up the set, it's actually got like a little 3D stand kind of thing, so you can put it on your shelf, make it look all fancy and all that. Uh, you know, and I may have kind of given away one of the 
other movies here, but we already talked about Cheney. He was the Wolfman. He played Dracula. What's the other monster he played? All the way in the back there, uh, I think, yes, uh, not you, but be, behind the woman, yeah. Yes, he did. He played the Frankenstein's monster. Count Dracula sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Come on, take it all out. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified, but hilariously. <laughs> Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. Did you guys like the last movie? My name is Jeff Punkrock Martin, and I'm here to entertain you. Sort of. I have family here now. Say hello to my sisters Pam and Bonnie. Please say hello to them. Big grin of applause. Come on. Uh, oh, they're too scared to sit up front. And say hello to my brother-in-law John. Say hello to our excellent friends. I'm not forgetting anybody. They're like pointing like Jeff the dummy's gonna forget. Say hello to Roberta, biggest round of applause of all for Roberta. Yes. Okay, now, usually at the Joy I ask people to stay quiet during the movie, don't talk, don't text. For this movie, we do make one exception. First off, are you excited to see Frank Simon's The Wolfman? This movie has a Unlike any other Universal Monster classic, it has a big production, musical production number in it. Are you excited to see a musical production number? Yes. Now, it's a call and response. The words are, and it's embarrassing as a grown man to say these, Faro la Faro Lee. If I say it, then can you repeat it? Faro la Faro Lee. That's good, but you gotta sing it, so it's like, Fa-ra-la, fa-ra-li, two, three, four, then you say it. So, here we go. Fa-ra-la, fa-ra-li, two, three, four. Fa-ra-la, fa-ra-li. One more time. Fa-ra-la, fa-ra-li, two, three, four. Wait for the count, you morons. And we get down on people who keep me in, in food and housing and clothing and all that, but she's whiz. Wait for the two, three, four. In the movie, it'll be apparent. But right now, I want you to get it in. Listen to jeez. Oh, You're expelled from the school of monsters. Wait for the two, three, four. Farola, farole, two, three, four. That's close enough. Give yourselves a hearty round of applause. And now, please give this movie and tell you all about it. The main man, Mr. Derek M. Cook. Thank you now. <laughs> I am not going to sing to you. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm right here. What's up, guys? So do we have, uh, not to repeat myself to people who have been here the whole time, but my name is Derek M. Cook. I am the producer and host of Monster Kid Radio, a podcast devoted to the... <laughs> 
More applause. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Monster Kid Radio is the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. <laughs> We've been going for a while now. We do weekly episodes and we just released episode 442. So we've got a whole backlog of stuff over at monsterkidradio.net or iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Spotify, a few other places. Just look at Monster Kid Radio and uh, you'll find me. You can check out a whole bunch of awesome episodes with a bunch of awesome people where we talk about these awesome movies. This one, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. Um, any newcomers to the film? Okay, not as much as they've me. Okay, all right. I'm not going to spoil anything about the film, but I do want to tell you a few things about it. This movie is important to me personally for a couple of different reasons. One, it's got one of the absolute best hands down, no question about it, resurrection scenes I've ever seen. And it's not a zombie movie. It is, uh, oh man, I just, I get chill, I'm, literally. And I, I'm using the word literally, literally. Goosebumps just thinking about it. This, it's, it's just so cool. Uh, the other reason is kind of special. I know there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I know that DC every once in a while tries to do like an expanded universe of films. Universal did it first. This is the first time any of their monsters met each other. Without this film, you wouldn't have had Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which was the first movie they showed. This is the first time the monsters met. This is the first time that we learn and realize, wait a minute, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, they live in the same world? They can meet and interact with each other? I think that's pretty darn special and pretty darn cool. Uh, without this, you wouldn't have had the other films leading up to the uh, uh, House, you know, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, and so on. Now, with this film, Karloff, Boris Karloff is a man who played Frankenstein's monster in the first three films. With this film, Karloff did not come back. He was done. Uh, he did not necessarily like the direction that Universal was taking the monster at that point, and he didn't want to play that character anymore. So they had to get somebody else to play the monster. Now, at one point, and I don't know how seriously they considered this, considering the technology at the time and that sort of thing, but at one point, they wanted Lon Chaney Jr. to play both the Wolfman and Frankenstein's monster, doing some weird split-screen stuff. Uh, that didn't happen, uh, obviously. Instead, they got the actor who was originally approached about playing Frankenstein's monster before Karloff back in 1931. And that's my first trivia question. Now we're gonna do some trivia here. I'm gonna ask people to raise their hand. Do not just shout out the answer because that makes it really hard for me to figure out who's doing you know, whatever. I will do my best to pick whoever raises their hands first. I've got some prizes to give out. Let's start with uh, a set of buttons commemorating your survival of Scarathon in this particular film. Who was originally approached about playing Frank? Okay, I think the gentleman in the center in the hat was first. Bela Lugosi is correct. Uh, Bela Lugosi was originally approached about playing Frankenstein's monster back in 1931. He, depending on what story you listen to, he either said that he didn't want to do it because it doesn't require acting, he didn't want to be buried in makeup. Uh, some other stories or tales say that there was an act, that the uh, film test that they did, the makeup test that they did, the studio execs thought it was ridiculous, so they didn't want to go with that anyway. So for whatever reason, he didn't play Frankenstein maybe a little resentful about it. He had his chance to play him in this film. I think it's kind of cool that he got to play Frankenstein's monster because in the previous film in the Frankenstein canon, he appeared as a different character. Who was that character? You serve it first. That's right, he played Igor in Son of Frankenstein and Ghost of Frankenstein. We have another pin set here. Some people actually say that his portrayal of Igor in Son of Frankenstein is probably his best 
work. It is amazing. Uh, he plays that character under tons of makeup, uh, a, a body harness. So he had a hunchback the whole bit. It's amazing. And Ghost of Frankenstein, it's still good, but you know, the studio was a little different. Budget wasn't as high and not, not as great, but it's just amazing as, as Igor and Son of Frankenstein. So Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. This is the first time this happened for Universal. But over the years, Frankenstein would meet other monsters. There'd be other titles, Frankenstein meeting somebody else or something else, not from Universal. Does anybody know the kind of sort of science fiction film from the 60s that Frankenstein met a monster and what that movie title is? That made no sense whatsoever, did it? it James Karen appeared in a film in which Frankenstein meets something else. I want the title of the movie, and they got a hint here. Unfortunately, no. Uh, that's not what I'm going for here. All the way over here. The what? That was a hammer film. That's not what I'm going for either. This has more of a sign. You know what? Um, I was actually approached earlier about making my questions too hard. <laughs> So I apologize. I'm actually referring to the movie Frankenstein Meets the Space Monster, uh, starring James Karen, and it's, it's weird. It probably would fit really well with a weird Wednesday. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. Earlier, uh, for, House, uh, for Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, I said Bela Lugosi only appeared in two movies uh, that are being played today at Scarathon. He's actually appearing in three films because he plays the Frankenstein monster in this, as we talked about. There are some returning characters from other Universal films as well in this movie. Uh, who else from a previous monster movie from Universal appeared? Yes, sir. Dwight Fry is one of the actors that does return. Sure. Let's give you... This CD from the band Boss Fink, the album is RPM. It is kind of an instrumental surf thing. There are a couple of other actors and actresses that return. Can I get the name? Yes, sir. Uh, Maria Espinskaya. Yes, Maria Espinskaya. She plays Maliva, the gypsy lady. She was in the first Wolfman film. You're getting the DVD, The Mad uh, Monsters Crash, The Pajama Party from the Monster Kid Radio Vault. So. Enjoy that. Uh, you can find me out on the table between movies, and maybe even during some of them, talking about monster movies with who, anybody who wants to talk about them with me. I'm recording a bunch of content for my podcast this, uh, today as well, so if you want to appear on a podcast and talk about monster movies with me, I'm your guy. Dominique Lampsies, who is helping me hand out uh, the prizes, is set up out there as well, helping uh, make like little pipe cleaner spiders for the kitties. If you want to make a, a spider to take home with you and scare your parents with, well, Look for her. Uh, why don't we do the movie, Jeff? What do you think? Yay. Yeah. Let's do it. And I'll be back for uh, Brides of Dracula here in a bit. But he doesn't understand. There's a curse upon me. I change into a wolf. Listen to me, Frank. I saw my father become obsessed by his power. He died a horrible death. There's no need for us all to storm after her. She'll come in if I ask her. Why should we treat her so fancy? She's a Frankenstein. I can't believe you guys are still here. I was talking to a young man out in the lobby. He said, you know, I came out today and 
that I, I took some time out from my wildly passionate love life. I was with my young woman. I was holding her. I was kissing her. She was whispering sweet, wonderful things in my ear. He said, and suddenly it stopped. Then I said, well, what happened? He said, my mom unplugged the computer. <laughs> now, I didn't hear a lot of you singing during the last movie. Did you sing or not? Uh, everyone says they sang now. Because it wasn't loud enough, I thought what we'd do, I thought we'd screen Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman again. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> really, though. One quick announcement. After this movie, if you're staying for the long haul, if, you're, if you buy a ticket for the next movie, it's 7 o'clock, um, the next movie, Plan 9 from Outer Space, let's hear it for Plan 9 from Outer Space, <laughs> will be presented in 3D. So after this movie's over, if you don't have your glasses, be sure to go up to the lobby and get your glasses and all that stuff, and we'll get you all set up. But that's if you bought tickets or bought whole day passes. Anyway, anyway, without any more of my garbage coming out of my pie hole, Let's see the guy who really matters around this place. Oh, Give a yeah. gigantic round of applause for the one and only Mr. Derek M. Cook. Let's hear it. <laughs> I like the garbage that comes out of his pie hole. Usually he's funny. Anyway, hey, gang. Uh, so, welcome to the third film in the Scarathon Brides of Dracula. Yeah. All right, so uh, I always ask this every time, how many people have not seen Brides of Dracula? There is a big group of you guys and gals, you guys and gals are in for a treat. So, uh, Brides of Dracula, it is a Hammer film. Are you familiar with Hammer films? <laughs> Excellent. So for those of you who didn't just erupt in applause, Hammer Films was a studio out of the UK. Uh, they started around the 30s or so, but really kind of hit their groove, their horror groove, uh, when they released The Curse of Frankenstein, and they followed that up with the horror of Dracula. They basically made Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee icons, really, of the horror genre with what they did. And you're going to see one of those actors in this film here. Uh, it's not Christopher Lee. So, spoiler alert. The movie is called Brides of Dracula. When it went to production, uh, or somebody, when they first writing it, they titled it Disciple of Dracula. There is no, and I'm sorry gang, there's no Dracula in this movie. <laughs> there is a vampire. There, there's maybe even more than one. I'm not going to say much more than that. But yeah. Um, the reason Christopher Lee wasn't in this film, a couple of different stories are floating around. A lot of times people say that Christopher Lee he used to say that he didn't like making the sequels to Dracula. Uh, other people have said that the original script, Disciple of Dracula, really didn't include much Dracula anyway. So for whatever reason, we ended up with another guy, another vampire, another story. But we do have Peter Cushing coming back. You guys know who Peter Cushing is, I hope. Yes. All right. Yeah, I think, you know, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so I knew Peter Cushing first as from Star Wars, the guy that used to boss Darth Vader around. But when, when I became a monster kid, uh, I mean, I just discovered all this amazing stuff that Peter Cushing used to do. He played Dr. Frankenstein for Hammer, of course, and then Van Helsing uh, as well. And then he did so many other amazing films, not just for Hammer, but just all across the board. The man's great. He's literally, I'm using that word again. He's literally one of my favorite 
actors and he's just a treat to watch and in this one oh man so he comes back to play van helsing from the first film he is an action hero man he is a man of action this is really more van helsing story than any dracula bride story uh, i really dig this one i hope you guys and gals enjoy it as well now i've got some prizes here uh, we've got another pin set commemorating you surviving this particular portion of the Scarathon. Uh, again, as before, I'm going to ask you to throw your hand up. I'm going to try to make sure I get the first person to throw their hand up. Uh, please don't just start shouting out answers. Uh, so uh, without further ado, you know, we're going to keep this pretty simple, I hope, other than Horror of Dracula. What's another Dracula movie that Christopher Lee did? You right there, sir. Satanic rites of you went to Satanic rites. Okay then. Well, you know what? That's true. Uh, Satanic rites of Dracula is actually the last time he played Dracula for Hammer Films. Uh, it is uh, the fifth or sixth time. Ah, I don't know. It's actually one of my personal favorites. Uh, and I know I say that about a lot of movies, but I really dig Satanic rites of Dracula. It takes place in the 70s. It also has Peter Cushing in it. So, you know, Cushing and Lee. It's like a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup of Awesome. All right, so we have a documentary here called Monsters Wanted. It's about people who make haunted houses, that sort of thing. And uh, you know what? I'll just say again, another Christopher Lee Dracula film. You, sir. Scars of Dracula. He went to Scars of Dracula. Really? Okay. Yeah, Scars of Dracula was uh, further along in the line as well. Um, the thing about Scars of Dracula is it's structured kind of like a slasher film. It's a little different. It's one that uh, I have read a couple of reports and interviews with Christopher Lee saying that he really, really hated making that movie. It kind of shows, but it's still enjoyable for what it is. So, all right. I have one more set here. This is another Sons of Kong 10 movie collection, a whole bunch of public domain gorilla movies, and it opens up into a really cool 3D pop-up display, I think. I've never opened it up myself, but the package says it's there, so it must be true, right? <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, so let's say this. Uh, we already talked about Bela Lugosi earlier in the film, or earlier in the, today. We are talking about Christopher Lee, how he's not in this movie. I want to name the. I want to know the name of another actor who played Dracula. You, sir. Frank Langella. <laughs> hey, you know that's 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 absolutely right. Uh, Frank Langella played Dracula. What was in the seventies? Yeah, um, and is that the one with the John Williams score? So yeah, John Williams being the guy who did Star Wars, so we're back to Star Wars again. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a movie. So here we are with Brides of Dracula. We're gonna get to this one. Uh, if you enjoy this, let Jeff know, because any time that I can get Jeff to show more Hammer films here at The Joy, whether it's at Scarathon, Weird Wednesday, or Just Because, I mean, I think it's something we need to see happen a lot more. I hope you enjoy it. If this is your first Hammer film, you are in for a treat. If you want to talk about Hammer movies some more with somebody, let me know. I'm out in the lobby uh, recording content for my Monster Kid Radio podcast, which you can find at monsterkidradio.net, or just Google Monster Kid Radio. I'm recording content today for my podcast, so if you want to be on a podcast, today is your opportunity to uh, make that happen. Big thanks for letting Jeff meet, let me be part of the show. Let's get on to the movie. Marianne, you hear the beat of fear within you? Fear that will rise to a shattering crescendo of terror. You have strayed into a world of evil where frightened people are held in the grip of unearthly horror. 
Beware of pity for the handsome prisoner in the Castle Meister. Beware of love, for in your heart is only the pulsating throb of terror. Starring Peter Cushing, as the doctor locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. Also starring Frida Jackson as Greta, who served the vampires with insane loyalty. <laughs> you needn't be afraid, she's dead. Martita Hunt, the Baroness, victim of her own son. Beautifully, Von Morlor, France's latest sex kitten, as Marianne whose beauty was her passport to the twilight world of the undead. <laughs> David Peel as the Baron, blindingly handsome, yet his kiss transformed the most beautiful girls into monsters. So did you tell me before the movie started this was your first Hammer film? To the best of my knowledge, it's my first Hammer film. It's yeah. entirely possible I've seen one somewhere in 46 years and didn't realize it was a Hammer film, but this is the first one I've sat down to see knowing it was a Hammer film going in. And what did you think? It was pretty good. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't terrific, but it was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We can't be friends anymore. What did you think of Peter Cushing? Oh, Peter Cushing was just there the best. Go. He was amazing. There you go. There um, you go. And, you know, like you, I grew up knowing him only as the villain, as Grand Moff Turkin. And so this is not the first time I've seen him in a heroic role. Uh, but this was, well, certainly the most recent. Uh, <laughs> But he was, he was really great, and uh, I did really get the impression that this is, uh, say, a prequel to Dracula. He's younger than you usually think of a Van Helsing. He's not as experienced, I don't think. This is the second Dracula on the Hammer Run. So mm -hmm. Horror of Dracula came first, so you do meet him there. Okay. But I do like yeah, the action hero kind of Van Helsing doing yeah. stuff. and. You know, burning out the, the, the oh vampire bite. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah. And, and I love him jumping on the windmill at the end mm -hmm. to, to make the cross. And that <laughs> is just brilliant. <laughs> so, so cool. You said this wasn't the first time you saw him in a heroic role. No, there was... Gosh. And I don't remember... <laughs> I don't remember what else it was. Um, it was something I've seen at Weird Wednesday, so it probably wasn't a Hammer film. Okay. I... Uh, it, but I really don't remember really what it was. I feel like he really a couple of hammers during Weird Wednesday, like Satanic Rites of Dracula, things like that. Okay. I don't I don't remember what it was offhand. Either way, it's, it's been good a few stuff. years. Yeah. You know what? We never introduced you. Oh, hi. This is uh, Jeff Fallier, uh, for, former purveyor of Weird Wednesday reports before my life got too busy. <laughs> You're always welcome back anytime, man. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, and... Uh, fellow podcaster. Yeah, fellow podcaster. I, I am here uh, all day for the Scarathon. I've been so excited about this and glad I can attend again this year. <laughs> is this the third or fourth year for you? Uh, this is actually the only the second year I've made oh. it to Scarathon. I've always had uh, conflicts. Okay. Scheduling conflicts before. 
So this time we're in. Yeah, absolutely. So we've done three movies so far. Yes. I've been Castle Meet Frankenstein, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman, and, yes. and Brides of Dracula. Yep. If you had to rank the three, what order would you put them in for you? Uh, Abbott Costello Meet Frankenstein is clearly the best. Okay. I mean, that is easily a 9 out of 10 movie. Uh, wow. that, that movie is art. Okay. Uh, it is perfect in almost every possible way. Okay. The, if anything, you could probably drop the name uh, Abbott, or no, uh, Costello from, from the title because he's in it so little compared to, uh, c- compared to Lou. Um, uh, but no, it's such a great movie. Uh, then I would go Brides of Dracula. Okay. Which was pretty good. M- one of my biggest flaws is it is I wish they had made it clear that Marianne had been entranced somehow by the Baron. Gotcha. It would explain her actions a just lot a better rather than just being a ditzy girl um, uh, entranced by a, a blonde, well, not even entranced, but attracted to the, this handsome guy. Okay. Uh, I, I wish, you know... <laughs> I realize in a way that takes agency away from her, but it also makes her less of an idiot. <gasps> and she shouldn't be an idiot. She's been hired to be a teacher. <laughs> okay. Sorry, and, Dominic. And then, and then Frankenstein uh, meets the Wolfman. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I realize you're about to disown me again, but I will take That's Vlad, uh, Vladimir Dominsky over to Larry Talbot any day. Okay, maybe that's not okay. <laughs> that is 1,000% okay. No. <laughs> There's a lot of us idiots who become teachers. <laughs> Having not seen the Paul Nashy movies, I can't say, but Lon Chinese Talbot is perfect. Anyway, uh, the other two movies... I, I also don't think the, the guy doing uh, The Monster was that great. Oh, Lugosi in this? Yeah. So, okay, I didn't mention this during the intro. I'm going I'm to give you some information. Maybe this will change your opinion of his performance. He was supposed to speak. In Ghost of Frankenstein, Igor's brain is put into Frankenstein's monster, and he speaks using Lugosi's voice. Interesting. Lugosi is playing him in this film, and if you watch it, again, you can actually see a couple of scenes where his mouth is moving like he's talking. But the studio said it sounds ridiculous for Frankenstein's monster to have a Hungarian accent. He's now mute. So there's that. On top of that, at the end of Ghost of Frankenstein, he goes blind. And that's never referenced. Is that why he was squinting all the time? Squinting and the arms in front. Okay. He's playing him as if he's blind. Totally not clear. Right. So you don't see any of that in there as well. So you get a lot of people saying that, you know, his portrayal's stiff. He should be doing this. He should be doing that. He would have. He okay. did. But, yeah. Yeah, th- through most of the scenes, I was thinking Fred Gwynn did a better Frankenstein yeah. as, as Herman Munster. That's true. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's... You know, I'm not saying Lugosi was perfect. He's not. Mm-hmm. He was much older than Karloff and, Lug- and, and Cheney at the time. Uh, and the makeup design is starting to change and slip a little bit. You go from the hollow in Karloff's cheek being turned into a beauty mark. You know, it, the, the makeup changes a little bit. But, yeah, okay. I'm there with you. On the other hand, I thought Lugosi was amazing in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein. Right? Oh, my gosh. Play Dracula so for the charming. Oh, so charming. So good. Yeah. Who is the voice of the Invisible Man? Who is the voice of the Invisible Man? Oh. 
That's Vincent Price. That, that is Vincent, Vincent Price. Price. Yeah. That's what I thought. I didn't want to make assumptions, though. <laughs> when you were telling people not to spoil it uh -huh. before the movie, I'm just zipping my lips. Yeah, it's kind of like a big gotcha moment. It was yeah. pretty, pretty fun. Boy, I remember that. Pretty fun. <laughs> so we have Plan 9 from Outer Space and Fright Night coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, you're saying for both of them. Yes. And if you were to, like, what, where do you rate those two? I've never seen Fright Night. Really? Uh, the critic, my critical, the critical critics' remarks that I've heard about Fright Night was, it was superb. Up until you see Chris Sarandon turned into the true vampire. Don't spoil it for anybody, dude. But that's all. That's far as I'll go. Go down this way. Okay. Closer. It's been years since I've seen Fright Night. Okay. Did you see the remake? No. Okay. Right. Oh. Is that the one with David Tennant? Yes. Okay, in that case, yes, I've seen that one. It has nothing to do with this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know how that goes. It's almost a remake in name only. Yeah. They use some of the same character names, but uh, this one is much more 80s. I, I know how that is. Battlestar. Surrounding cameo. There, there are a couple yep. cameos and such, but yeah. All right, well, and Plan 9 you've seen. Plan 9 I've seen twice uh, here at the Joy, not in 3D. So... We'll see how this goes. <laughs> you are totally in 3D. You're, you're in 4D because you go through time also. Okay. Yeah. So Jeff calling Dominique timeless, I think, is where we're going to cut this. <laughs> I think we're good. We're going to let him sit back down again and, and enjoy the movies. <laughs> Look at that. That was wonderful. I feel like I'm going to give some kind of an academic speech here or something. However, I'm not. How are you guys all still here? Who's been here since the beginning? Just give us a big... Oh, look at that. Wow, thank you. Thank you. The next movie on this screen tonight will be Plan 9 from Outer Space. Let's hear it. I couldn't have expected such a gigantic round of applause. Now, before tonight's screening, I have to warn you, I have some good news and some bad news. Oh, no. And then some more bad news. First, let me see. I got these lined up here, sort of. Ah, first some bad news. It's colorized. I know, I know. We get what we can get. But now some good news. It's in 3D. And now the other bad news. It's still Plan 9 from Outer Space. Before I get out of your way, though, if you guys can give a gigantic round of applause, we have a few people we have to recognize tonight. Chris, who made the buttons and the magnets and things. Chris, please, giant round of applause for Chris. And she's amazing. Thank you, Chris. Next, next, Dominique, who's been here helping out with Monster Kid Radio all day. Excellent, right here, Dominique. Dominique. Then, Derek thinks I'm going to say him next. Whatever. I'm going to say him next. Next, Mr. Derek M. Cook from Monster Kid Radio. Here he is. Big hand. So I'm going to insist that I'm referred to as Mr. Derek M. Cook from now on. Thanks, Jeff. How's everybody holding up? Yeah? Excellent. Uh, so what's Plan 9 from Outer Space? I mean, it's it's... People know what this movie is, I hope. It's considered a cult classic. Some people call it the worst film ever made. I disagree with that. Uh, I've seen a lot worse. Um, but, I mean, it's Plan 9. It's Ed Wood. How many people here have not seen Plan 9? 
Are you serious? Wow. Okay. So uh, there's a line in this film, let us punish the guilty, let us reward the innocent. The fact that you haven't seen the movie yet, I don't know if that makes you guilty or innocent, but uh, whatever happens to you, man, I, I hope you make it out. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's, it's an infamous film. It's directed by Ed Wood. Uh, do we know who, Ed, people know who Ed Wood yeah. is, I assume, right? Again, he's considered one of the worst directors of all time. I would disagree. I've seen worse. Uh, but, you know, I don't believe in that whole so bad it's good thing, guilty pleasure thing that a, people, a lot of people assign to this film. The bottom line is that Planet Nine from Outer Space, it makes me smile. And if it makes me smile, then it's a good movie. And I don't care why I'm smiling. If I'm smiling, good on it. And I hope you guys and gals smile at this film, too. So uh, this film features the last film appearance of Bela Lugosi. We've already seen Bela a couple of times in tonight's Scarathon lineup. We're going to see him one final time in this film. Uh, this footage was not actually shot for Plan 9. This was footage that uh, Ed Wood shot with him before they even thought about doing Plan 9. Depending on which story you listen to, it was either to try to help cheer Bela Lugosi up after he got out of rehab, or maybe it was shot to help stir up funds for a future project. Bottom line is that Ed Wood had some footage of Lugosi that he reworked and put into this film. So you're going to get to see some Lugosi and you're going to get to see somebody else playing the character that Lugosi played. And that's going to be the first trivia question of the night here. We've got some pins. Uh, Jeff mentioned Chris. Chris is in here, right? Yeah, there she is. You guys, if you haven't checked out her buttons and pins and such, they're awesome. I'm going to go buy one when we're done doing this because they're just so cool. Anyway, she has some exclusive I Survived pins for this film in particular. And uh, again, please don't shout out the answer. You know, it makes it hard. Just whoever puts their hand up first, I'll try to call and... Anyway, uh, the person they cast to play Lugosi's character, believe it or not, he wasn't really an actor. Oh, uh, the woman in the sunglasses there. <laughs> or not sunglasses, they're 3D glasses. Everybody's wearing 3D glasses. Yes, you. Dentist. No, he was not. Um, but I think, man, I, I think you were next. Not quite. Chiropractor. chiropractor, that's right. He was a chiropractor primarily. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, Chris has two sets of I Survived Plan 9 pins. So we're going to do another uh, bit of trivia here. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space is perhaps Ed Wood's most infamous film, but I'd like to know the name of another Ed Wood movie. Yes, or you? Glenn or Glenda. Glenn or Glenda, also starring? Bailey Lugosi, and this time the footage was shot for the movie. Yep. Uh, Leonard Glenda was Ed Wood's movie about a transvestite and features a lot of footage of Bela Lugosi saying things like, pull the strings. So, you know, it is what it is. All right. I have a CD here from the band, the Tombstone Ramblers. I've played some of this music on Monster Kid Radio in the past. They sent me a CD a while back. I'm going to hopefully give it to a new home tonight. Uh, so Plan 9 from Outer Space, it combines a whole bunch of different elements. It's a horror movie. It's a science fiction movie. There's some weird conspiracy theory type stuff. In fact, this may be one of the first times we saw on a, for lack of a better term, major motion picture, uh, talk about the government conspiracy about hiding flying saucers. But it's also got a lot of zombie stuff in it. I consider this a zombie movie. I'd like to know the name of the first zombie feature lake film. No, unfortunately not. Not white 
White Zombie was the very first feature-length zombie film starring Bela Lugosi. If you haven't seen White Zombie, highly recommended, really good film, good and creepy. We've already heard White Zombie mentioned. We've talked about Plan 9 from Outer Space. Somebody already mentioned Last Man on Earth. What's another black and white zombie movie? I Walked with a Zombie by Val Luton, yes. So this prize, uh, if you wanna open it up, you can show people. This is uh, some artwork from Matt Bush. Uh, it is four mini movie posters of the four Indiana Jones movies done up as zombies. So there you go. All right, so that's all I got this time around. Uh, once again, I'm out there talking about zombie movies, Plan 9, Ed Wood, whatever, uh, and uh, I didn't mention this before. Not only do I produce Monster Kid Radio, I also produce a podcast called Plan 9 by 9, where we are examining Plan 9 from outer space nine minutes at a time. So uh, we are up to uh, episode five right now of that podcast with the future episodes coming out by the end of the year. Uh, we spend about an hour talking about each nine minute chunk of the film and we really kind of deep dive and nerd out about Plan 9. So if you want to talk about Plan 9 with me after the movie, you know where I'm at. Enjoy the film, guys, and I'll talk to you again uh, when Fright Night comes up. It is safe to state that the grandchildren of some of the people in this theater will not be born on Earth. They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead, zombies guided by a master plan for complete domination of the Earth. Plan 9 from outer space. You guys are still here? Thank you guys so much for coming. It warms my heart. I can't tell you how much it really, really does. Thank you. So I'm give you guys a big round of applause. Really. All of you. Everyone. To the all day folks. Okay, we draw near the end. Are you guys ready for the next and last next and final movie? Okay. I didn't get to make my joke about being at the halfway point, but that's okay. For the final time this evening, but not the final time, but the joy, I'm sure. Please say hello to and give a big round of applause. I hope not. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Please give a gigantic scarathon round of applause for Mr. Derek M. Cook. Yes. Thank you, sir. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Jeff Punk Rock Martin is the man, right? Yeah. Okay, he can't hear me now. We can actually, no. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, this is it, man. This is the last movie, the fifth film. How many people have been here from the beginning? Look at you guys and gals, man. That's dedication. That's awesome. Uh, those of you who have been here the whole time or have seen more than one or two, what's been your favorite movie so far? Just shout it out. Alec Costello. Oh, wow. Going all the way back. How, yeah, yep. Brides of Dracula. Brides of Dracula. Uh, people who have not seen any of these movies before tonight, having a good time? Yeah. Excellent. All right, so we're about to see Fright Night from 1985, um, which admittedly is a little outside the Monster Kid radio wheelhouse. On my podcast, I, I tend to stick to more uh, classic fare, usually looking at about 1968 or so is my wibbly-wobbly cutoff. Uh, but 
Fright Night, I mean, it really speaks to the monster kid in me because of what it is. It features a horror host doing some really cool stuff. And horror hosts, I mean, you guys know what horror hosts are, I assume? Yeah? So horror hosts, if you have MeTV, you've got Sven Gulli. If you have a Roku box, you can subscribe to the Monster Channel. You go online, just look up horror hosts. They're all over the place now. But traditionally, a horror host would be on network television. They'd be somebody who would introduce a horror movie or a monster movie and kind of either make it more palatable, easier to you know, deal with the scares, or just kind of fill up some space for the network. Um, this movie does feature a horror host uh, played by Roddy McDowell, and we're going to get to him in a second. This movie, it's, uh, the movie itself was directed by Tom Holland, who also wrote the film. Now, Tom Holland had been writing in Hollywood for a while, not overly impressed with how most of the people were producing and directing his work. He, he really wanted to see more care given to what he was doing, so he convinced the studio to let him go ahead and direct this film on top of writing it. And because they didn't have a lot of faith in it, they didn't give him a lot of money, they just said, yeah, 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 let this kid make this movie. And they didn't really give him a lot of supervision. He just was able to do what he wanted to do, which produced this film. I'm actually really surprised that a lot of the things that we see on the screen in this movie turned out the way that it did because there were a couple of mishaps on set. You know, first time director, he might have had everything in his head and knew what he was going to do, had things storyboarded out and that sort of thing. But there were a couple of mishaps. Our lead actor, William Ragsdale, he broke his ankle in this film. There's a scene where he's running down some stairs and he, he breaks his ankle. Well, they managed to rework the shooting schedule and worked around it. And in fact, there's a couple of shots in this film where they uh, put like a fake shoe or, or they took a shoe and put it over the foot cast uh, and then kind of filled in a little bit with the, uh, they, they would split the shoe up so it would fit, color the cast black so you couldn't tell, you know, and he'd run around and do his thing. There's even one shot in here where Chris Sarandon is pushing or, or coming after him. He's going after him with his hand but his, with one hand, with the other hand kind of outside of camera, he's actually pushing the actor on a dolly because he can't walk backwards because he's got the busted ankle. Uh, it is a vampire movie. Vampires, a lot of times in movies, will have a, a different colored eyes. They'll have like scleral contacts that kind of give them that white, pale, milky look. And they were kind of hard to wear back in the 80s. I'm sure they're hard to wear now, too. You really couldn't wear them for more than like 20 minutes or so without having to take them out. Our lead actress in this ended up having a real problem with these contact lenses. And when they took them out, they realized why she was in so much pain. They didn't buff the uh, contacts the way they were supposed to. So the rough edge was rubbing up against her eye. There's another character in this who's supposed to be spitting up a ton of saliva in a scene. I'm not gonna tell you what it is in case you haven't seen the movie, but there's a character in here who's supposed to be spitting up all the saliva and spit and all that. And they're pouring the, the liquid in the actor's mouth so he can kind of spit it up on cue and that sort of thing except it wasn't the fake spit. It was makeup adhesive that they accidentally poured into his mouth and it was gluing his mouth shut. So I'm really surprised <laughs> this movie got done at all, but I'm really glad that it did. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that it does feature a horror host and that's gonna be one of the trivia questions that we're gonna talk, uh, I'm gonna do here. Uh, the horror host's name is Peter Vincent. I've got, again, from Chris, who is amazing. Is Chris still here? She's in the back there. She's the one who made the uh, buttons, the magnets that you can get up with the counter, which I really hope you guys pick up on your way out. And we've got a, a, a pair of a commemorative I Survived Fright Night buttons. Peter Vincent is the name of the act or the character. The names come from some pretty iconic horror actors. And this guy right here was the first one in the glasses. 
Well, I was only going to ask for one and use the other one as the, question, as the other question, but okay, he's right. He's named after Peter Vincent and, I'm sorry, Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. In fact, Vincent Price was originally going to be approached to play the character, but at that point in time, it had gotten around that Vincent Price was kind of tired of playing the horror stuff just for a little while, so he wasn't really interested. They got Roddy McDowell instead. Now, later on, Vincent Price did end up re at least reading the script or seeing the movie and thought, okay, this is fun, and Roddy McDowell did a great job. Uh, so I was going to ask, you know, what the other name was. Uh, so let's do this instead. Give me the name of a horror host. Elvira. Elvira is a very popular horror host. That's the last set of pens here. Elvira, I don't think she's got anything going on right now. Uh, but you might be able to find some of her stuff on like Amazon streaming or Netflix. I, I don't know where she's got stuff, but you can find newer stuff with her as well as all of her older stuff. She's been going for since at least the 80s. So she's... Fantastic. I'm sorry? Oh, is it out now? I had heard about that. Yeah, she got a pinball machine out. That's pretty cool. So every episode of my podcast, Monster Kid Radio, I open with a new piece of music from an instrumental surf band. I have a CD from one of those surf bands here. It's called Southwest Stompers. The band is the Aqua Barons. And uh, the question here, uh, Vampire is... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll... Name another horror host. Yes. Sven I'm sorry? Sven Gulli, that's right. There you go. <laughs> Last prize of the night, the documentary Monsters Wanted. It's about professional haunters doing their haunting thing because they love haunted houses, pretty much like us. Uh, final question of the night. Uh, let's see here. There was a Fright Night. There's a Fright Night 2, and then there was a remake. Who played Peter Vincent in the remake? David Tennant did indeed. Now, he does not play a horror host in that he's actually more of kind of like a Chris Angel-like uh, shock magician uh, in that film. The remake, some people really like it. I think it's probably just a remake in name only. But uh, anyway, this film's much, much better. I want to thank The Joy Cinema for letting me kind of be part of the show. And I want to thank all of you guys and gals for being patient with me when I take up your time waiting for a movie to show up. Uh, I know Jeff already did it once, but I want to give you guys and gals a round of applause. You guys. That I get to be part of this, that I get to be part of either Weird Wednesdays or Scarathon or whatever. Everybody's always made me feel welcome, so I really appreciate everybody's support. You can find me at monsterkidradio.net, where I produce a new episode of the podcast every week. I have over 440 episodes right now, and the new episode will be going out next Wednesday slash Thursday, which is basically Halloween. I want to tell you about a couple other things real quick, then I'll get out of the way. The Halloween On Halloween Day, Monster Kid Radio will be hosting a 13-hour monster movie marathon. We're calling it the... Catch my breath. Monster Kid Radio Halloween Monster Movie Marathon Watch Along on Twitch. So if you look up Monster Kid Radio on Twitch, go to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. Starting at 9 a.m. on Halloween Day, I'm going to start showing monster movies. We're going to do it for 13 hours all the way up till 10 p.m. And we're doing it on Twitch because there's a chat room. There will be a live chat going the entire time. I'm going to be there the entire time. If you are interested in joining me, consider this here invitation. Also, the next time you can find me in kind of like a public thing doing something, uh, I just found out yesterday I'm going to be featured talent or a featured guest at Fandom PDX, which is happening the first weekend of January over at the Sheridan by the airport. Um, 
thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't exactly know what all is going to be asked of me, but I can't wait to be part of that show as well. I doubt though that crowd will be nearly as cool as you guys and gals, just because, you know, you guys are awesome. You're my people, you know? So once again, thank you. Uh, I'm gonna get out of here. Let's get to Fright Night. Jeff, let's do it, man. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. This could be the night of your life. You survived Scarathon. Yes, I did. It's Dominique Lamsey. I'm still here. She's still here. <laughs> what you think? Oh, it was awesome, of course, as always. As always. This was, and uh, I don't know if Jeff can hear me or not, but uh, of all the Scarathons I've done, this was my favorite lineup. Yeah, yeah this, I think so. This was amazing. Uh, yeah. Just the, the, the variety, the breadth, the depth. And the Ed Wood. <laughs> and the Peter Cushing. And the Peter Cushing on the big screen. Yo. Uh, a lot of Universal Monster fun. Uh, Ed Wood, and they're showing Fright Night right now. Uh, it's just a blast, you know, and to be able to be part of the show is just awesome. Uh, when you came out of Plan 9, you said you had some thoughts about it's in color and it's 3D, so it's not as Ed Wood. I guess intended, although chances are if he had the technology, he would have been okay with it and probably did it on purpose. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on color plan nine? I actually liked it. Yeah? Yeah. I think the key is that the color isn't good. <laughs> There's, yeah, the coloring wasn't good. So it was like really nicely washed out. Oh, okay. So it actually looked kind of fakey and like those old 40s sepia portraits that someone came in later and like colored them oh, wow. okay. so it's like slightly unreal which added to the whole thing also parts of it were like quote unquote colorized like usually when they showed Inspector Clay there was just a teeny tiny bit of color and it was like a putridy gross green or yellow <laughs> so it was actually especially in the scenes with inspector clay it was really striking actually and i thought it worked really well most of the inspector clay stuff happens at the graveyard doesn't it yeah yeah and so it's already supposed to be night so you get the dark and you get the, the gray tombstones or whatever they were using for tombstones and he's wearing that big dark suit so yeah it yeah. makes sense yeah 
Did you notice anything different this time around than the last time you saw it? Okay, yes, because I think this was the Rift Tracks version because there was a lot of little details that were changed. Oh, okay. Because didn't they do that thing where if you gave to their Kickstarter, they would add like little details that featured you? I was about that because I asked him, if I asked Jeff, Punk Rock Martin, mm-hmm. if this was the Legend release because that's what they did with the mm-hmm. Legend release. Yeah, and it was. Okay, so I think that episode of Plan 9 by 9 has come out since then. Uh, since now, uh, before. Mm-hmm. It's been a long day, folks. Uh, <laughs> where we talked a little bit about it, but for those of you who don't know, there were a couple of things, a couple of perks in the crowdfunding campaign to bring this to color in 3D uh, that you could change, let's see, have a portrait of yours put into the Trent household. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the gravestones got changed. Yeah. Are those the only two things? Those are the only two things I noticed. Okay. So yeah, I, I actually don't think I'd ever seen that before, so... I think your episode of Plan 9 by 9 has already come out. Yes, it has. At this point. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to ask you to repeat all that stuff, but (laughs) but what, just, I mean, if you, why Ed Wood? Why do we love him so much? We love Ed Wood because Ed Wood is love and nothing but love. He loves what he did and he was horrible at it, but he kept going, he kept trying, and he made those freaking movies even though everybody told him he sucked and that's what we should all strive for in life. So Ed Wood is a lesson, an example in determination and just doing what you do. I know the Johnny Depp film really kind of glamorizes some things and overlooks a lot of other things about Ed Wood's life, but I, I do feel like that's a through line in that film too. Absolutely. Just do it, do it. Don't let lack of funds, access to sets or props... Uh, hold you back. Not necessarily saying that you should go and break into a studio and steal their rubber octopus, but... Or, you know, bilk churches for money. Well... You know, I mean, maybe don't do that. Um, but no, you're right. You're right. And when I was kind of reading a little bit about Plan 9 to try to find some trivia to talk about up there, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we talked about this on Plan 9 or not, or if I knew this, but was it Tor Johnson who kind of pretended to drown when they baptized him as a joke? I think so, yeah. I remember hearing that. That's... (laughs) Come on, man. (laughs) That's the other question I was going to ask, is what was the original title of the film? You know what it was. Grave Robbers from Outer Space? Which is an awesome title and and needs to be used in something. It's a game. It is a game from uh, Flying Frog. Yeah. I've got it. So do I. I haven't played it in forever. Neither have I. Yeah, so... Let's see. I'm trying to think of anything else because you and Jeff Polier were talking a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, anything else about Plan Nine that you can think of that we should say that you want to say? I mean, it, it's amazing and I love it. Yeah, to put the spotlight on Dominique. Here, tell me what you think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I will say this um, about Plan Nine that I know I'm very behind on the Plan Nine by Nine episode releases. Uh, a whole bunch of different reasons as to why. I'll go into those later because I'd rather spend the time that I would spend talking about why I'm behind and finishing the episodes. So they are going to get done. Uh, The goal is by the end of this calendar year, we'll have all those out. I believe there's one person who's still waiting for uh, a wood-on-wood print of the Tor Johnson, Inspector Clay print. And then once the episodes are all done, the thumb drives will go out in the mail as well because we'll put the the episodes on the thumb drive Sweet. for you so that that will happen i'm committing to that now here on the podcast hold me to it 
okay. everybody. Um, so yeah, that, that'll be happening. Uh, appreciate everybody's patience and understanding. It's just how crowdfunding sometimes works out and tons of lessons learned on this project that I'll be taking to the next one. So that'll be happening. Plan nine is probably one of my fa- is my, uh, I don't know if it's my favorite Ed Wood, but it's right up there. I really like Bride of the Monster. No, Night of the Ghouls. Night of the Ghouls. Night of the Ghouls, 100%. Why why that one over Bride of the Monster? Because it's kind of a sequel. Yeah. Well, yeah, if there was no Bride of the Monster, there would be be Night of the Ghouls. Okay. Okay. Anyway, anyway, that made no sense, but I don't care. I'm moving on. It's late. Yeah, exactly. We've been here since, yeah. Yeah. So for me, octopuses, meh, whatever. I don't care. That's a lot of why I don't really care. Okay. Um... And it just because again with Edward, there's so much. This is a great idea, and then it just didn't get executed. And for me, that's like everything of Night of the Ghouls because it's about a medium who doesn't know he's a medium who's calling up these dead people, and he doesn't realize it while he's trying to bilk people for all this money. Oh my God! Yeah, exactly. Have you seen The Devil Commands? No. The Boris Karloff film? No. That we talked about on the show no. not too long ago. No. Yeah. Because that. Oh wow. Okay. Oh, okay. No, you want to want to know what I realized watching the movie this time? What's that? First of all, okay, the costumes reminded me a lot of the 1930s Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, Cereal, especially the aliens. Right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and two, basically, Bunny Breckenridge is the Night King, and the aliens are the White Walkers, and that's a Game of Thrones, dude. That is totally Game of Thrones. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna use the dead to teach the, the living a lesson. Come on, man, that is Game of Thrones. And Dominique just gave me something to put as a tag on this when I put it out <laughs> to really mess with the search engine optimization. Awesome hashtag Game of Thrones. Hashtag not season eight. All right, that'll be good. That'll be good. No, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. Invisible Invaders kind of did that a little bit. But not to the extent, and I think that came out before this, but again, not to the same extent, yeah. for sure. Um, and at least we get to see him all the time in this one, as opposed to Invisible Invaders really kind of copying out on the budget and not showing him uh, <laughs> for a lot of the film. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I classify that as like in the in the so stupid it's cool, so cool it's stupid range. I'm not saying it's bad. It's yeah. got John Agar, so it immediately means it's one of the best movies ever. But it's it's angry John Agar though. I have trouble with angry John Agar. He is, he is not a friendly Agar. In that. No. I mean, it shows some of his range. Yeah, exactly. But he's but, not the Agar I want to hang out, which was my dad. Yeah, I mean, you know, John Agar is yelling at me. Why is John Agar yelling at me? Stop making noise at me. I just want you to like me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is it, man. So this episode is going to be going out. Pretty much on Halloween Day. So, uh, listeners, if you're listening to this, why are you listening to this and not at the marathon? The Monster Kid Radio Halloween Monster Movie Marathon on Twitch. What? Oh, I screwed it up. Monster Kid Radio Halloween Monster Movie Marathon Watch Along on Twitch. That's right. Are you going to be there at all for Probably any Probably later. Okay. I'm not getting up at 9 a.m. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. I'm not a morning person. <laughs> <laughs> what does Dominique do for Halloween? Actually, usually I sit and watch movies and usually do a little sewing or some kind of project and hand out candy. Is this one of those things? Yeah. I love the Halloween is here. I love the Halloween is special. But because of everything that we do all year round anyway, it's kind of hard to say we're doing this special because we do it all the time anyway. 
you know, well, watching monster movies, working this, on. This is the day. Okay, I'm gonna be that guy. This is the day that everybody else does it. So everybody's like outside and running around and doing this stuff, and I'm like, I don't. I, I want to be in the empty building. I don't want to be in the crowded <laughs> building. So don't get your sexy Halloween costumes on me. I'm gonna go. Yeah, amen to that. Yeah, no, that's a whole another conversation. I mean, I've got one, but I totally under no. <laughs> Don't leave it at that. I'm, I'm punchy, man. It's, we've been here for what nine hours at this point. Something like that, yeah. 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 Pack up and go home. Okay. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. Bye, everybody. Happy Halloween. <laughs>out monsterkidradio.net for links to everything that you heard talked about in this episode of monster kid radio any of the movies that we might have mentioned i'll make sure there are links that you can go and buy them from amazon through our affiliate link we're going to make sure there's a link to everything that dr tongue talked about in the world of monster collectibles you know everything you need to know about the podcast is at our website our contact information our facebook page our facebook group and our twitter you can go directly to any of those through the link also, there will be a link in the show notes taking you to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. This episode is going out on Halloween day at 9 a.m. Pacific, Halloween, October 31st, 2019. We begin the 2019 Monster Kid Radio Halloween Monster Movie Marathon watch-along on Twitch. So by the time you hear this, it may already be going. Hopefully it hasn't ended yet because I want you to have the opportunity to hop over to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio to join us. There will be a live chat going the entire time. I look forward to chatting it up with you guys and gals. Coming up next week on the show, we are going to go back to the 1970s because there's still a vampire movie from Toho that we need to talk about. From the so-called Bloodthirsty Trilogy that was released on Blu-ray last year, we have the movie Evil of Dracula. And I'm going to be talking about it with our friend from the haunted cinema, Todd Brown. Make sure you come back for that in seven-ish days just stay locked into monsterkidradio.net or find us on itunes spotify youtube you know, the regular places you would go stay tuned because like i said i do have some work to do on the victoria price roger corman panel from the lovecraft film festival hopefully i can get that all sorted out sounding as good as possible for you guys and gals that'll be coming in the near future also you can find me over at monster kid writer to follow along with everything that I've got go writing wise November is National Novel Writing Month and I am participating in NaNoWriMo if you're participating as well I'd love to become your NaNoWriMo buddy and you do that through the NaNoWriMo website at NaNoWriMo.org got a couple of youtube channels uh, monster kid radio on youtube youtube channel and comic stalsha please subscribe and like all the videos there and you know I think that's about it let's go ahead and wrap up Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Professor Frenzy's bedtime story is copyright Jerry Green, 2019. The song, Are You Afraid of the Dark? It's the cover of the theme song from the TV show From the Black Flamingos. You can learn more about them at blackflamingosnj.com or just go straight to their Bandcamp page at blackflamingos.bandcamp.com. You can follow the link in the show notes. My name is Derek M. Cook. Talk to everybody next week. Ciao.